Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. I'm Pastor Cameron. And this is the Uncut Podcast where we have uncut, honest conversations about faith, life, ministry. Um, And today, we are finally having our first ever mailbag episode. Mailbag episode. episode. Yep. So we've we've got a list of questions. We're going to just kind of take them as they kind of sit and see where that kind of takes us. We'll see if we get through all of them or... Probably not. Yeah, probably not. We'll see yeah. if maybe they take us down an interesting avenue or, or not. But um, Cameron, do you feel like there's one there that you saw that you want to start with or do you just want to start with that top one? There? I mean, I guess we can just... There's- you know, without trying to make one question more important than the other, we can just kind of start at the top and All right. take the go through the list. So, so the first one is about your sabbatical. So, yeah, it says Cameron, can you reflect on your sabbatical? Did you have any encounters with God? So, uh, you know, a little background first. Maybe if you you know weren't aware or don't cut a conduit or have yeah. just been listening or whatever. I um, I took my first, I'll call it my first real sabbatical in um, you know, 18 years of full-time ministry Yeah, this past summer. So about uh, 12 to 14 weeks, something like that. I was off for most of the summer, Yep. Um, most of July, August, September, and like the first week or two of October. About three months. Yep. Um, And the purpose of the sabbatical was, you know, to get a little bit of space away from the daily tasks of ministry, uh, the kind of, I guess, what you could call the grind of ministry. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't always, they want to, they romanticize it. They romanticize ministry and work in yeah. and work in churches as mm-hmm. like being, you know, like just one hundred percent spirit filled, yeah. full of miracles every day. Yeah. Like the most incredible job that you could ever possibly have. And I mean, I'm not I, I'm not saying it's not a great job. Yeah, I mean I like the job, yeah, but it's I, not I mean, that. It's... I love my job, but it's also just a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And um when you've been pastoring long enough, you, um, if you're not incredibly self-aware and incredibly intentional right from the get-go, you end up carrying a lot emotionally with you, mm-hmm. things that you don't always deal with right away or that you don't process through. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot of very difficult experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've been... I've been with people on the worst days of their lives. Yeah. I've also been with people on the best days of their lives. You know, um, I've been at gravesides and I've been at, you know, the front of the sanctuary for a wedding, you know, so, and, and all of the experiences in between. Um, and then you have, you know, you're just your own, you're still your own person and you have your own family things that you go through and mm-hmm. insecurities and fears and anxieties and all of that. So, yeah. Sabbatical is an opportunity, and it really is a gift, honestly. It's a gift that uh, my church was able to and willing mm-hmm. to give to me. Yeah. Um, they've, they've become more common in people-helping professions in recent years, haven't they? Sabbaticals. Like, I think, I think so. they, they used to be kind of primarily just a, a unique thing to the pastorate, but... Yeah. The world and outside of this, like people right. are becoming to recognize that seasons of longer breaks than a long weekend are occasionally needed for like recalibration. Yeah. 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 To give some space to, you know, refresh and renew and recalibrate and mm-hmm. all of the RE words, you know. <laughs> then the only other place that I see them maybe semi regularly is in the academic world mm-hmm. where. You know, maybe a professor is given a, a, a sabbatical for a semester, but that's almost always a working sabbatical. Yeah, they're given a sabbatical from their teaching load so that they can go and, um, you know, write a book or whatever the case may be. I did not write any books on my sabbatical. Uh, what I did was I just got out of the 
I got out of the everyday, every week rhythm of just like, you know, churning out sermons yep. and counseling people and leading staff and just the everyday, the everyday of work in pastoral ministry. And I got the opportunity to spend some extended time with my family, especially over the summer months when my kids are off school, five kids at home, um, and my wife, we have a, we have a little farm that we that we manage and run. And as a family, we were able to do some things that we don't normally get the opportunity to do, uh, both, you know, because financially and time and stuff like that. We, we took some, um, we took a kind of an extended family vacation where we were, we were gone for, you know, a week and a half, 10 days, two, almost two weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, where we, uh, drove to Hershey, Pennsylvania, and spent a day at Hershey Park, and then we got a hotel, and kids did the pool thing, and then traveled to Washington, D.C., and we walked around the concrete jungle on the hottest day of the summer with five kids. It was <laughs> so much fun. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then stayed there the night again, and then we went down to Myrtle Beach and spent uh, you know almost a week on the beach, which was really life-giving. Got an opportunity to do a... Um, a counseling intensive mm-hmm. with uh, with my counselor down in the uh, Louisville, Kentucky area, mm-hmm. um, which was really helpful and um, and I think lo- long term beneficial to me, encouraging, uh, but also um, just helping me to process through some of the some of the things that I've carried with me, not just in ministry but throughout my whole life. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go into as as part of our like policy here at Conduit. We do have a sabbatical policy as part of our employee handbook, and right. so as part of that policy, um, you know, I'm required to submit a uh, sabbatical proposal, which gives here are the stated purposes or the hopes for the sabbatical, mm-hmm. um, and so I did that, and you know, a lot of it was around you know feeling renewed and restored and refreshed and revived and recalibrated and all of that. And I'm not going to say that none of those things happened Mm -hmm. or those things didn't happen because there was a lot of that in that time away. But I think as, as it happens with most of life, you go into something with an expectation, Mm -hmm. you go and do marriage with an expectation yep. you go into parenting with an expectation you go into a, minis- a new a new um, a job field with an expectation i know how it's going to be yeah or at least i hope this is how it's going to be yep. and then you get into it and you realize that for whatever set of circumstances reality is not what the anticipation or expectation was right. And that was somewhat true of me for sabbatical. You know, I felt like it was going to be just completely restorative. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I experienced was that God was eager, I think, to get me in a space where um, I slowed down a little bit on the day-to-day so that I was more keenly aware of mm-hmm. the things that he was trying to reveal in my life that I was unwilling mm-hmm. because of my pace to sit with long enough to become primary realities for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all of those words like refreshing, renewing, restoring, recalibrating, all the RE words, yeah. you know. Um, really kind of sat to the side of a different re word, which is revealing. Mm. Like God, God didn't. God needed to reveal some things. Yeah. To me, primarily around you know the relationship with my kids and my own my own upbringing and mm-hmm. my own relationship with my parents and um, my uh, expectations of myself around my family and our kids' lives and the 
their own histories. I think some people here, maybe many people know that uh, we have five kids. They're all adopted, and mm-hmm. four of them are adopted out of the foster care system. And so there, um, uh, there are some complexities to life and parenting for the mm-hmm. Linehearts that are, you know, maybe not everyone um, will have experienced before. Um, but uh, but that were really important for me to see and to and to work with. So yeah. I think sometimes the assumption is that a pastor is going to come out of a sabbatical with some having come to some really significant conclusions. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like sabbatical led me to a place of introducing me to a new family mm-hmm. rhythm or a new family perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if I can share just my reflections of right, because like, you certainly had a big role in the sabbatical as well. Yeah, you, know, like you 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 made it possible for me to do this. So yeah, I mean, it was it was a that was you know that's a whole other like stepping into it as like a you know stepping in for my first time as acting as like a senior pastor mm-hmm. without any safety rails as yep. it were you know I, I wasn't wasn't calling you up and saying like hey cam uh what do you think about this uh right. you know which like i love doing now i just walk over to your office and ask you a question if i'm like you know a little unsure about a decision or something but ha- there was an interesting um it's just different like that was the only way I really could like kind of articulate it was I remember coming in that first week when you were off and you were on sabbatical and I was just like, Oh, like I'm the backstop. Mm-hmm. Like it, like I'm where the, the buck ends a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not that I was by any means alone. Right. Like I had the staff team and I had lots of support from people, but there is a certain weight that is just emotionally there. That's mm-hmm. hard to describe unless you've kind of carried that. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that, and this, this applies to anyone, anyone who's listening, um, not just pastors who like have some, have the ability to take sabbaticals, but I think the temptation is to think that a sabbatical or a vacation or a particular singular event will be the band-aid that fixes mm-hmm. an unhealthy rhythm right. of day to day. Sure. Right. So like if and I'm not telling you anything I don't think you know. Yep. Um like I know you know that because we talk about it here like at, at staff and like constantly reminding each other. Mm-hmm. We need to be taking weekly Sabbaths. Yep. We need to be living with inside of our our bodily earthly, emotional, mental limits. limits yep. And if we're not, no, like if we are consistently pushing into the red, we're revving our RPMs up there and we're constantly living in the red, no sabbatical will be long enough to fix that. No. Nope. Um, and like that's, and so, and same thing for anyone who's listening, whether you take sabbaticals or not, or you just regular vacations or long weekends. If you are consistently living in the red. Like there are days, weeks where you're going to have to push into the red a little bit to get things done. But if you're living in the red all the time, like what, at least what I've, I think has happened to me is like when I live in the red for a long time and then I get a bit of a break, I get sick. Yep. It's kind of what happened. Like the last couple of times I got sick on my honeymoon and I don't think I think some of that was due in part to just how frantic my life was up until the wedding. Yeah, well, it's not. It's you know, and 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 that's not even really a mystery to modern biology or medicine. Mm-mm. Is that when you push and push and push and push and push, you often have to draw off of hormonal increases like adrenaline. Yep. You know, like your body produces adrenaline to keep up with the mm-hmm. emotional, mental, and physical pace that you're pushing yourself through, yep. and so you're 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 upping your threshold mm-hmm. of response because adrenaline is not meant to live on. Right. Adrenaline is meant to be fight or flight. Yep. Responsive. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you're 
constantly living in a place of adrenaline overload and then get a break. All of that adrenaline dumps out of your system and your physical body dysregulates so much Mm -hmm. that it, it actually physically becomes sick. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I describe it sometimes in like, you know, you're, when you go to your dentist <laughs> and everyone, everyone knows, last time I went to the, last time I went to the dentist, um, my, the hygienist or whatever started flossing my teeth and my gum started to bleed. Yep. You know, she's like, so how often are you flossing? And I was like, well, I mean, at least every time I eat popcorn. <laughs> and and what happens? You like, okay, you know you're going to the dentist, and so you brush your teeth extra long that morning. Yeah. Right? Um, if you save up all of your teeth brushing until a half hour before your dentist appointment, your teeth aren't actually going to be clean. No. Right? You need to be brushing them every single day. And it's the same with Sabbath. Mm-hmm. You know, there needs to be a regular, consistent rhythm of rest mm-hmm. in order for health to be maintained. Yeah. Um, and and while yet are we commanded to take Sabbath? Yes, we are. We yeah. are commanded to take Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the command to take Sabbath often makes it something that we do grudge begrudgingly. Yep. Because no one likes to be told, even from the Lord God, yeah. you must do something. Yeah. Oh, that is a so theological biblical interpretation pet peeve. Yeah. Okay. So people like to make a distinction between the ceremonial law in the Old Testament and the moral law. Mm-hmm. And mm. the simplest way to make that distinction is to say, well, the moral law is the Ten Commandments, and the ceremonial law is all the other stuff in Leviticus mm-hmm. and stuff. Except, so they say all the Ten Commandments apply, except for the one about Sabbath. Yeah, right. And I'm like, that is bad theological technique horrible it's not like if if you're going to accept that as a genuine division which i think is somewhat dubious but if you're going to you cannot just say well all the ten commandments except for the one i think isn't it right you might as well just say listen i don't not going to listen to this commandment because i think god is encouraging laziness (laughs) right by taking a day off right but like in jesus life in Jesus' ministry, mm-hmm. he was found to say, you know, that um, that Sabbath is a gift. Right. Like it is a gift from God. Yeah. He and, certainly doesn't teach us to be slaves to it. No. But. No, it's not like we, like, um, we are not, yeah, we are not slaves to Sabbath. Right. That Sabbath is a gift that we get to enjoy. Man was not made um, for Sabbath. Mm-hmm. But the Sabbath was made for man right um so but going back to you know like going back to the conversation on sabbatical like i um you know responding to like the way that you felt when i was gone Mm -hmm. uh i want to say like there is I don't know how to say it other than to say I feel a little vindicated by hearing you say that (laughs) because there's always – there is this sense or this feeling of weight. Yeah. Like you – I carry the weight. Yeah. That's not to say that I am – that I have an unhealthy – well, I I think we we all – we all journey into unhealthy thought patterns, right? Yeah. It's not to say that I fully believe that the, you know, continuance of ministry here depends on the weight of the, or the mantle of the pastor. No. And that's not what I'm saying. Right. But what I'm saying is that the reality is that when God places that mantle 
or that calling or that position on someone is not insignificant. And there are often, not often, there is um, an invisible to the rest of the world, an invisible to the rest of the people, um, uh, weight of responsibility Mm -hmm. and accountability and attack Mm -hmm. that comes upon you um, and pressure Mm -hmm. that we don't often... We don't often afford our pastors the grace or our prayers that indicate that we see and understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to, to em- again, emphasize what you just said, like my, my role didn't change massively. I wasn't doing anything I had never done before. Um, like, the way we kind of operate, there's a lot of things that cross between our desks, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so there will be things that you'll toss over to me and vice versa. And so <clears throat> it wasn't like I was like, oh my gosh, I've never done any of this before, right. or I don't know how to do it. Or there was there was a fair amount of continuity between how my job yep. looked while you were here and when you were gone. It was just this like emotional, spiritual weight that was different. I had to figure out how to, it took me a bit and I still hadn't really figured it out, but it was a, how do I carry this? Right. Well, yeah. And like, and not by myself and not independent of Christ. And how do I manage that? And it was such a shock to my system for the first couple of weeks. You could ask, um, you to ask those close to me, like, did Luke, did Luke feel the difference? Like, Mm. you know, was, could you, they would They'd say, "Yeah, we saw like Luke felt different. There was a there was an adjustment period there for sure, mm-hmm. and I definitely had not gotten entirely used to it by the time you came back." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it makes me feel really grateful that we get to do ministry together mm-hmm. because before you were here, there was a period of time here, maybe eighteen months or so, mm-hmm. where there wasn't another pastor on staff. Not that I didn't have support, right? Great support. Right. Great team here, mm-hmm. um, but that they're just that there's a weight of calling that exists there, and it's interesting because the reverse was also true for me mm-hmm. in the first month of my sabbatical or so. It it was really difficult to not wake up in the middle of the night feeling like, oh my gosh, like. Got a sermon to write. Got a sermon to write, or got a, like this p- person to like mm-hmm. to pray for, or you know, like there there was this. It took me a while to, I, for lack of a better term, detox from the responsibility, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and which is why, at least I can only speak for our field, that if you're out there and you're for some reason you're from a different church or you're a pastor or, you know, and you're like considering a sabbatical for your pastor or for someone on your team mm-hmm. or whatever, that you need to understand that short sabbaticals um, yeah. really are, I would say, almost a waste of time yep. and your resources because it's going to take a significant period of time to for that person that's on the sabbatical to take a deep breath and enter into the formative parts of what the sabbatical sets out to do. Yep. Yeah. There's a, I think this is an apt quote and I'm going to butcher it uh, because I don't know it by heart, but there's a desert father, a monk who said that like when going into a retreat of silence, at first, you lock yourself like in your room and in, in silence. And at first, it takes a while for the noise of the world to retreat and to recede, to stop mm-hmm. hearing the noise of the world. And then after that, um, it takes a while for the noise of yourself, mm-hmm. your own voice mm-hmm. to recede. And then it takes a while for the noise of the enemy to retreat mm-hmm. and to recede. And then finally, we can hear the gentle, small whisper of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And his whole point being is that, like, it's not as simple as going and retreating, like, 
and and thinking that like okay i've gotten to a secluded place i've taken some time off and immediately i'm going to be connecting with the lord yep. it's a slow removal of the noise kind of like if you leave a really noisy concert and your ears are still ringing yep it's like that right yep. it's going to take a little bit for your ears to stop ringing for you to be able to reacclimate in order to reprocess mm-hmm. and receive what the lord has mm-hmm. for you so yep yeah agreed i feel that mm-hmm. Okay, that was a. We could probably keep going about. I could, sabbatical. like, yeah, I got, I got more questions yeah. to follow up with. But okay, what's the next mailbag question here? Let's see. Okay. So, all right. So this one, I'll summarize this one because it was a little bit longer and it's got some specifics to it. But the essential part of this is that somebody uh, wrote into us asking some questions about how to maybe handle or what to think about and how to handle a situation in which they felt they were encountering maybe something supernatural or something maybe named as a ghost in Mm -hmm. like uh, a place that they frequent. Um, And so, um, yeah. I'm eager to see what Luke, what Pastor Luke has to say about (laughs) this. Well, you know, because I'm going to be honest with you. This is a tricky one for me. I mean, I've, it's tricky. So, like, okay, so l- let me start super general, yep. right? Because um, I think ghosts came up in, like, conversation with my wife. My wife was like, do you do you believe in ghosts? And I was like, well, that's an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I do or not. Uh, <laughs> right? Well, the only thing I can think of, so, you know, we have a very popular, when, when I say the word ghost, we think of everything from Scooby-Doo to Poltergeist. Casper. Casper, right? Like <laughs> um, The friendly ghost. Friendly. Uh-huh. Right, like, um, you know, so we have a gazillion associations from pop culture and secular media around what a ghost is. Right, I mean, like, yeah, oh my gosh, Dan Aykroyd and, uh, and <laughs> like, Bill like Murray, Ghostbusters, and, right? who you gonna call? Right, like, right. Um, we have a gazillion things that pop into our minds. I'm like sitting here and thinking, I'm like, all right, what does the Bible have anything to say on this topic? The only thing that I can think of is there's a small story that's often not talked about is when King Saul gets a diviner, comes and uh, the prophet Samuel's dead, comes to Samuel's grave, and then kind of brings Samuel back from the dead. Not back from the dead, but talks to his ghost. I would have to go back and look at the passage to see exactly the language around it. Yeah. But he he ends up talking with Samuel beyond the grave um and and then samuel kind of essentially just rebukes him <laughs> from like, beyond the grave doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing why are you, why are you talking to me right now um <laughs> he just kind of yells at him uh, which was kind of samuel's thing with saul um that's the only thing i can think of that even approaches the ghost. classical yeah. understanding of ghosts that we have yeah um yeah did you find the passage yeah um so it's in first samuel um chapter 28 um he goes to the witch of endor saul goes to the witch of endor um find me a woman who is a medium Mm -hmm. so i may go and inquire of her um Saul disguises himself, and he says to her, Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. Um, And she replies, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for me to bring about my death? Um, Then he goes on to say, uh, Then... so they're gonna call up a call up a spirit. I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. What does he look like? Saul asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming out. She said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul. So it seems to be like there was some. Was it actually Samuel? Who knows? Was it a deceiving spirit? Right. Right. You don't know. Um, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in great distress. The Philistines are fighting against me. 
Um, so I've called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? Um, he essentially casts judgment on him for, um, you know, his continued disobedience from the Lord. Typical Samuel. Yep. Um, immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. Um that's like probably one of the only things that we see. It's like the only thing that approaches the traditional understanding of ghosts. ghosts. Yeah. There certainly is a significant biblical history and um, evidence of, obviously, I guess what you could call the supernatural. Yes. Which would be just like not the natural. Yep. <laughs> not natural things. Right. Non natural. Right. Um, uh, the presence of evil spirits and the yep. demonic. Yep. Uh, the presence of angels. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, sometimes angels are distinguished from messengers. Yep. From God. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, Satan himself being a fallen angel, but being the prince of the air, yep. um, or the devil, or uh, and so there, I, I would. We're certainly not saying that there is no evidence, right? We're not for supernatural, right? Right. Well, this is the way I. So whenever we come to topics like this, right, I'm always dubious. This, this kind of falls into a category of like. So if you were to say, like, if you were to say, Luke, I found this book that summarizes and explains and teaches all the things that the Bible has to say about demons and the supernatural and the occult, and you bring me this massive book, I will say something is wrong right. because there, the Bible doesn't say that much about it. Yep. The book should not be that bit thick. Yep. yep. So there's a number of topics that, like, and this being one of them, where people love to expand and expound and speculate and create a an illusion of knowledge and certainty around when in which the Bible actually says and teaches very, very little. little, yeah. Um, and so I that gives me like that gives some groundwork. Yep. And so I'm I'm not interested in, and the Bible obviously was not interested in giving us a full understanding of the spiritual realm, right? Of the roles of angels, the demons, like the Bible's not all that concerned with expounding and teaching us that. Yeah. Um, and so I take that and receive that as um, as a as a bit of just like a the Lord has kind of said, you don't really need to know yeah. this that much. Mm-hmm. Like know that I am God, Christ conquers these things, mm-hmm. right? And that you should not intentionally go and explore and seek these things out. Yeah. Um, you're certainly going to encounter them. Yep. You know, you're, it's not that, you know, we're not saying put horse blinders on and refuse to talk about or think about or see that there's anything supernatural going on around you. Right. No, you do want to be aware of that. Yes. You do want to know that that uh, occurs. Certainly um, a significant ministry of Jesus was the exorcism of demons Mm -hmm. that he uh, sent out at at the very least, the first apostles and disciples to do the same. Right. Yep. It's not clear whether or not that ministry extends into the generations. Right. Right. Yep. Um, and uh, so, so that the, the, the evidence is, is absolutely there, that we are to be aware of the schemes of the enemy mm-hmm. who who prowls around us like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Yes. Um, but that even that does, is not an allusion to him continually attacking us with a demon around every corner. Yep. Right. Um, so I think that the if you're going to talk about the supernatural in the realm of does it like does it exist? Yes, of course it exists. But we need to weight it properly against the other things that we know we need to weight what is unclear in scripture against what is perfectly clear in scripture Mm -hmm. 
right? Mm -hmm. And what is unclear in scripture is demonology, angelology, Mm -hmm. even. What is perfectly clear in scripture is that Jesus Christ, whom we have by faith, his Holy Spirit indwelling in us, is ultimate authority on every creature above the earth and below the earth mm-hmm. and in the earth, right? And that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Yep. And that um and that our our security in the midst of the supernatural is not on our own authority right. or not because we have a tremendous understanding of how to speak to a demon, but that because Jesus is the authority right. and Jesus dwells in us by faith. Yes. Uh, yeah. We, so, yeah, it's, I guess, to like move to some practical advice. We kind of, ans- I know that we answered this, the person who answered this question specifically yeah. outside of the context of the pa- podcast. Right. So let's just not worry about that, but let's just kind of give some general generalized advice not specifically directed towards that situation since i feel like we already addressed that off camera off sure mm-hmm. um i would say like well at first i would just affirm that real things don't look like hollywood yeah that's like hollywood yeah. is hollywood mm-hmm. um i would i think like if i were to give if someone were to say like oh i'm experiencing something like i think my general advice would be um ensure that it's not um just ensure that it's not something else or something ordinary right like i think uh fear might take hold in the midst of an uncertainty or a nervous or a scary experience. Like, let's just like, let's not immediately assume that it's a spiritual mm-hmm. demonic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's pertinent, ignore it and kind of move on would be, I think some advice. I think like the, I, I think a, like obviously that's like a, has to be applied super situational but like if it's like just don't seek these things out mm. like if um and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to give a whole lot of fear and air time to something that doesn't need it or yeah. doesn't require it so yeah I would I think that too kind of speak along the same lines i think that one of the things that has been discouraging or concerning to me in the church is that um there is a line of thinking or a line of thought that any negative thing that you encounter or circumstance that you are under is the result of the the demon of something Stomach flu. Yeah. The demon, the the demon, or the spirit of the spirit of anxiety or the spirit of depression is upon me. And I, I need to exercise that demon from my life. Yeah. And as soon as I, I've encountered that. Right. Sure. We all have. Yeah. Right. Or the reason that I'm sick is because the enemy is attacking me. Yes. Um, that, I mean, like the reality is, is that line of thinking is we just don't see that in scripture. No. It's just it's just not there. Right. Right. And so we can say what we you can say what you want about what you believe the reason I have a cough and a cold is. Well, it's the enemy attacking you because he doesn't want you to preach this Sunday. Yeah. He wants you to have a cough instead of preaching. Could also just be equally that you haven't been taking Sabbath, you've been running yourself ragged. I haven't like been all eating things, well, or it's cold like, season, or right. like all it, it could right. be could be that. It's that right? little kid that came up and sneezed on my face. Right. So I think that we similar to what you said about the you know six volume book on demonology, mm-hmm. we need to be we need to be honest with what we see in scripture and what we don't. Mm-hmm. And we just don't see that type of understanding of the work of the demonic or the supernatural in scripture. 
that it like that that everything that goes wrong in our life yeah. is the result of a, an attack by the enemy yeah. or the the imposition of an evil spirit upon us mm-hmm. right it's just not there yeah. um and uh so pray about it and take some cold medicine right you know yeah 100 yeah. percent. like or in, in a situation where like let's say um like the the person who wrote in this question had a, a situation that they were experiencing in the physical location that they were at where maybe some they don't know how lights got on and off or yeah. whatever or was even feeling mm-hmm. internally a sense of spiritual oppression yeah which i would say is a much more legitimate like okay then the lights flickered it must be a demon right but the sense of like right the spirit of god or the spirit in me is sensing feeling experiencing something a, that a darkness is, yeah and it is like a darkness or a heaviness it's yes. not a nervousness or a fear necessarily those things might be present right. but at least in my experience it's mm-hmm. there's like a it's a feeling that is not easily equated with something else we yes, experience. Exactly. It's it is it is decidedly dark. Yes. And I have experienced this before. I've mm-hmm. experienced it with people before. Mm-hmm. I've experienced it in places before. Yeah. Where I've walked into a place and there were people there and there was this sense of like mm-hmm. there is evil yeah. in this room mm-hmm. for sure. Yes. Or in this place. And in those moments, mm-hmm. um, it's been, at least in my experience, um, there has not been any fear. Mm-hmm. Like there's been darkness yes. and heaviness, yep. but no fear. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. The reason I don't think, at least, you know, and this is kind of conjecture based on what's not here, right? Right. It, we're, we're, we're moved into the space of you and I's personal, personal experience. experience, right? The reason that there was no fear was not because the thing wasn't real. The reason that there was no fear was that it was very, very, very real, Mm -hmm. but that the spirit of Jesus Christ within me Mm -hmm. um, has authority over the spirit of whatever was in the room. And so there is no need to fear. Mm -hmm. Fear not, right? Because Because there literally is nothing to fear. I do not fear demons. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I stand firmly on I stand firmly on the biblical witness that um, that Jesus Christ, who lives in me by faith through the, through His Holy Spirit, has all authority over those things. Um, I do not fear that. I, I do not fear that at all because I do not feel like I need to because I believe that Jesus is with me. Jesus is in me. Yeah. Right. And so there have been times where I have, in a physical place, literally spoken um, the name of Jesus out loud, mm-hmm. um, or have spoken the authority of Jesus yes. into the room. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I have, I have asked demons to leave, or spiritual darkness to leave mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Right? I have read scripture over people and in places where there was obvious demonic activity um uh as a proclamation of the authority that they do not have. Right. Um and it's in those moments where it's been really really clear that the Lord that you know that it's we're not um that while we may wrestle with flesh and blood right or we don't wrestle like that we wrestle against the principalities and rulers of the air that there that in the supernatural realm there is no question who the authority is right like there is no like demons aren't walking around thinking that they run everything yeah they know yeah and um uh and and the proclamation of that truth is 
often the only thing or is often the thing, just the thing that needs to happen. Like I feel like, again, we're in the land of conjecture. In the land of conjecture. Personal experiences that um, I think um, that the primary weapon that the enemy and um, the spiritual forces of wickedness and darkness has against us is the weapon of deception. Yes. You know, that, that Satan is the father of lies. The scripture says that that when he speaks, he only speaks. It is his native tongue to speak in deceit. Yep. So when he speaks, he speaks, you need to be afraid of me. You need to fear. You need to, you know, like everything is like deceit, 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 yep. deceit. Right? So when you get, begin to speak, how do you, how do you defeat deceit or lies? You speak the truth, mm-hmm. right? You speak the truth, the truth of God's word, the truth of God's promises, the truth of Jesus' authority, right? So spiritual forces of darkness are walking around, floating around, flying around, whatever they're doing, yeah. crawling around, trying to convince you, me, all of us yeah. that we need to fear them, mm-hmm. that they that they have more power yep. than they have, um, and... Um, and that they are around every single bush, yeah, and every single sickness and every single infirmity, yep. right? Yep. Um, it, you know, I, I've seen, I've watched my share of horror movies, right, and and like the the Exorcist being probably the most famous and infamous one, mm-hmm. and the climax of that movie is priests in a room with a demon, and they're just constantly incanting, and you get this really dramatized version of like an exorcist. Where you get, it's like, oh, it's like a push, it's a pull, it's like this fight. If that, that's not, no. Like, that's Hollywood dramatization. Of course it is. Well, because if you even just look at the truth of Scripture, what is like, God is, you know, First John, God is light. Yep. In him there is no darkness at all. Other places it, it describes the spiritual... Uh, spiritual forces of wickedness as the spirits of darkness, the yep. forces of darkness. Now, when you walk into a dark room and you turn on the light switch, there is no like epic battle between the light and the dark. Nope. You know, when the light enters the room, the dark is gone, period, end of sentence, immediately yeah. and without question, right? Yeah. There is no, there's not going to be like at the end, in the end of time, right? When Jesus comes back, right? right like famous art. Is depicted as this epic battle where, like, um, like Hollywood, like they're gonna fight, they're gonna be on the battlefield, and and it's gonna be um, like this, like you said, push and pull and tug and like, and Jesus is eventually gonna come out victorious over the forces of darkness. Like, not at all the depiction that we actually see in Scripture, um, or what we know about the authority um, of Jesus already, yeah. which is, you know, they are, the, the battle has already been decided. Yep. Satan has already lost. Yeah. Um, there is no, there will be, there will not be an epic battle. It will be only the victorious one returning yep. to um, finally stay stomp the head mm-hmm. of the great serpent yes. right and um and none that have been entrusted to the lord will be lost right so it's not it's not some like oh the darkness may may gain some ground in the in the um um sphere of the light yeah it's not no right no. Yeah. It's you know the the often quoted, but I think it's often quoted for good reason. Quote from C.S. Lewis regarding this topic is like the temptation is either to completely ignore mm. the spiritual realm mm-hmm. and the demonic, or to overly fixate on it. Yep. So like I guess the summarize like that would be my summarizing is just like don't fixate on it. If you find yourself where you feel like there's this back and forth. S- battle get some help maybe yeah. but in the name of jesus i in, command you to leave yeah because like that's not your mm. something something's happening there yep. you're, you might not you, maybe you're not battling a demon mm. 
would be my mm-hmm. first question, mm-hmm. you know, if it, if you feel like there's just this constant mm-hmm. back and forth and mm-hmm. then, or then maybe you just need the faith and help of others, mm-hmm. but also to just not, like don't, don't unnecessarily fixate on it, but don't be naive about it either. Sure. Would be the, the summarization, I yeah. guess mm-hmm. that advice. So, well, I mean, where does that leave us for we we we're so what we're at fifty minutes. Well, I think um, let's see what else we have here in this mailbag. But um, how about we answer the last one? Just kind of that a, last one. Just as a you know, we'll tie we'll tie a bow on the this episode. Uh, this last question: Is there an appropriate or inappropriate time to give someone you know a Bible? I mean, simple answer is no. no. Like, if you feel prompted, thank you for listening to the uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> if you feel led to, yes. like, then I think it's an appropriate time to give someone a Bible. Right. Um, now, the more complex answer of that is, like, you know, do so in a. Like um, I, I, I gave a Bible to to a coworker um, many years ago, and uh, to me, a Bible's a Bible, right? So like me carrying a Bible around in public does not make me uncomfortable, but it made them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So retrospectively, I would have given it to them in a slightly more discreet way because they 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 were felt very uncomfortable holding a Bible in their place of work or okay, where yeah. others might see them. Mm-hmm. So like, just to generally say like just. You know, be nice about it or common sense about it. Or just like, don't like publicly declare to and give them a Bible in front of a bunch of people or at a inopportune time or something like that. Um, yeah, I think like I can just see the comments on this already. I can just. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I well, because here's the we thing. We don't need to overcomplicate right. it. But. But 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 super Christians, and I I say that pejoratively, um, <laughs> um, you know, super Christians will be like, how could you ever say that there's an, an inappropriate time to give someone the word of God? Like that's not what we're saying, right? But like, but but listen, okay, like let's say as a for instance. Um, well, I w- how about this? I was recently with a family mm-hmm. yes. that does not attend church regularly, does not necessarily um, have like a – they would not necessarily proclaim themselves to be like have a um, deep sense of faithfulness. They don't attend church. Um, I have a relationship with them and and one of their loved ones passed away suddenly and tragically. Yes. And I um, I was asked to come down to the hospital to be with them in the room with their loved one as he was deceased, mm-hmm. um, as they processed the first stage of their grief, as they said goodbye, as they their family came in to, you know, see him and to say goodbye as well. Right. And I'm standing there as a, a harbinger of hope yep. and promise yep. and faith. Right. And I could have walked in that room with a stack of Bibles. Yeah. And said, This is the perfect time. I just want to give you this. Right. Right. Now, do I think that they would benefit in their walk with Jesus by having a Bible? Of course I do. Sure. Like without like duh. Yeah. Right? Um at the bedside of their suddenly deceased loved one, mm-hmm. is it an appropriate time to have like a shove it in their face? This is what you need. Yeah. Um I would say in a manner of pastoral discernment and gentleness that mm-hmm. that is not the appropriate time. Yep. So the question, is there ever an appropriate or inappropriate time to give someone a Bible, is 
I understand the question. Yes. But but I would say, well, it's always appropriate to give someone a Bible. There are times where I feel like it's inappropriate. Yeah. So but it's kind of both. There's also a spirit in which, like, I could imagine, you know, you're talking with someone and they're, you know, some some like I'm massively depressed. Well, here's a Bible. Yeah. Right. What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with that? Like that, like that is kind of so I guess what I would say is that maybe the inappropriate way a Bible can be given mm. is in a band-aid or like a kind of the same way we would give somebody some Tylenol. Because mm. uh, you give someone Tylenol and then you step away. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the better thing I would say, particularly say you have someone who is kind of closed off to faith mm. or maybe antagonistic, or you're just not sure, you could come up to the person and say, Hey, I like, you know, I, I follow Jesus and my faith means a lot to me. And I read the Bible and it has benefited me in so many different ways. I think it's a really powerful book that God uses to speak to me. And I really appreciate who you are. And I want to gift that to you in a, in a loving way. Like, I, is this a gift that you would be open to receiving from me. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'm not giving you an expectation that you have to, like, that's the thing about gifting books, right? Just in general. Expectation of reading. Expectation. It. Like, I'm not giving you the expectation you need to read the whole thing or that you need to read so much of it. I just simply want to make sure that you have one. I maybe mm-hmm. want to give you a nice one or something because it means something special to me and I want to gift it to you. Mm-hmm. And if they're receptive to that, 110% give them that Bible. Yep. If they're like, I really appreciate the gesture. I really would rather you not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That I could see that as a as a a really good way of approaching an uncertain situation. Yeah. Or just even when you bring the Bible, just like don't just say here. I wanted you to have this. Like put it inside of a context of a relationship, relationship. you have with yes. them. Yep. And if you really want to like be the uh, positive version of super Christian. Um, offer to read it with them. Yes. Yeah. Like, yep. like just say, hey, like walk I put, with them. Yeah. I put in a discipleship. I put yes. a bookmark starting in Matthew. Yeah. Like, would you want to get together in like a week and just talk about the first three chapters? Yeah. Like, and yep. we can talk about it. Yeah. Listen, this is not us saying. <laughs> We want to be abundantly clear. Yeah. We're not pastors who are telling you to not give Bible. Exactly. <laughs> we don't hate the Gideons. Right. Okay. No, no, the Gideons <laughs> right. are great. The Gideons are amazing. Yeah. Right? Amazing organization. Just like it it it's just not that simple. Yeah. I guess we're it feels a little bit silly because it is that simple, but we're just kind of drilling down on maybe some of the I feel like we're socially coaching. Yeah, we're yeah, we're coaching people in like the dimension of maybe evangelism or discipleship that takes place in context and relationship, yes. not just in here is the information that you need to get better. Yeah, and it's in this book. Just read the book. Right. Right. So you might be hearing this, and you might be saying, "Well, duh!" Um, yeah. Like that's no no brainer that you would do that in such and such way. It's but not self-evident. It's to, not self-evident mm-hmm. to everybody. Mm-hmm. I've seen it done that way. Yep. If I probably thought really hard about it, I've probably done it that way myself when yep. I was a younger believer. Yep, 100%. So mm-hmm. we don't want to overcomplicate it. And like mm-hmm. our first answer to the question remains, yes, yes, please G- go give, give them, them a Bible. Bible. Uh-huh. Um, and listen, if you're listening to this podcast or you're watching it and you need a Bible, or you want a Bible, or you have someone that you want to give a Bible to, but you don't have one to give to them, yep. we've got them here. Yep. Like we have Bibles specifically there's, there's for this person. Right this whole cabinet us. is full of Bibles right here. We have got boxes full of Bibles upstairs yep. just for that purpose. So let us give those to you. So, um, well, I, I think we probably covered enough for this first mailbag. Yeah, for certain, we'll have to. I, come back to this plenty more to talk about and i think it's some of those other questions that we left unanswered so if we didn't get to yours it's not because we didn't like it it's just we ran out of time right and uh we'll put the um we'll of course put the um 
we should make a note in in post to put the the mailbag um, number yep. at the beginning of this video as well. Yep. So if, in case you haven't made it through this whole video and wondering <laughs> what we're talking about, to know that we're uh, we're talking about our mailbag here at the Uncut Podcast, which is just a way that we hope to be able to interact with you and maybe talk about some of the things that are important with you. So if you're listening, uh, you can text in any questions that you have mm-hmm. to 716 and uh, of course, if you're watching online or uh, watching on YouTube, we'll put that uh, put those numbers in the show notes as well, or in the, in the notes in the Google and Apple Podcasts as well. But anyway, thanks uh, thanks again for coming and tuning in and listening to us uh, ramble and sometimes get it right and maybe sometimes get it wrong. But we appreciate you yeah. taking part in it too. We'll talk to you next time.